G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. This is the last day of November. Tomorrow, traditionally a day when many families would set up their Christmas tree. You might already have your tree set up, but for a lot of families, 1st of December rolls around. And this is like a family tradition, time to set up the tree, start confirming plans for family Christmas celebrations. And for many of us, anticipating a hard-earned Christmas holiday. Just reflect on that for a few moments if you've got some time off over Christmas. Well, it's supposed to be the happiest, most wonderful time of the year. Uh, But for some, it'll be tinged by sadness. For many of us, there are wonderful memories of amazing Christmases in our early years. And for others, there are other memories perhaps coloured by tragedy or rejection or even those family tensions that never seem to go away and they seem to get more serious around Christmas time. So how do we make the most of the coming Christmas season? Getting the context right for what it all means and doing what we can to make this the most wonderful time of the year. Well, wonderful to welcome back to 2020 another great special guest, Dr. John Warlow, who's an adult child and family psychiatrist. He developed what is known as a Christian Wholeness Framework. Uh, We'll talk about some of his books as we go through our conversation, but I want to make a special welcome back to 2020 to you, Dr. John Warlow. Neil, great to be back here with you. Thank you. And what a great time to be having a conversation about uh, cheerfulness at Christmas and sadness because, you know what, if people get sad at Christmas, uh, they must get almost, uh, you know, depressed thinking about the idea that everybody else is thinking this is also cheerful, happy and, and uh, you know, fueled by alcohol, party atmosphere, all sorts of things like that. And for that person who just doesn't fit that mould, uh, they might be saying, am I normal? Uh, give us a little insight into to this whole idea of cheerfulness and sadness. Absolutely, Neil. And so here we are, we're coming into a time which is meant to be bright, fun, uh, happy. But if inside of us what's going on is actually the opposite, where I don't fit in or where I have had rejection or tragedy, where it's just a very tense time in the family, then the brightness of what it's meant to be actually makes our own personal Christmas darker and harder to go to, especially, as you say, if there has been tragedy around this time of the year, missing loved ones and and so on, then that can be a personal time, which is actually not the happiest time of the year, but could even be the saddest because everyone else is happy and I'm meant to be. But therefore, that adds in some ways to our aloneness 
during this season. John, you're a psychiatrist, which means that you don't just deal with uh, how people are thinking and feeling. Sometimes there are other deeper uh, medication issues that some people require. Uh, If we're feeling this thing, and we know that uh, in previous Christmas has gone by that, you know, there's been times of sadness and it just seems to rear its ugly head every time Christmas rolls around. Could there be something that's not just in the way we're thinking, but could there be something a little deeper for some? For some, there can be a more physical brain-based problem in terms of changing of our neurochemicals. And there are some ways of picking up signs to say, "Mm, maybe I need to go and see my GP and look at even if uh, some medication might help. Uh, But for a a lot of others, there are those deeper aspects which really get to our heart even deeper than our brain. Um, And so for most of us, though, it's not going to be a medication sort of issue, but uh, for the majority of people who might be feeling that sadness around a time that will come, and maybe they're quite happy right now, but you just know that every time Christmas comes around, the family all turns up, uh, the pressure is on, and you just are not enjoying that time. For most people, this might be able to be adjusted by some of the things we do, some of the things we prepare. One of the first things for us to do in this context, Neil, is to face it, is to face that, hey, this is going to be a time where I'm going to be challenge and it's going to be a hard time. Secondly, it's uh, to actually make some sense out of it, really understand what's going on, to connect and understand with ourselves and not to do that alone. And here we are now warming up towards Christmas. And as we say, you know, 1st of December tomorrow. And if it was 1st of December today, it'd be probably the ideal day to be talking. But the last day of spring, tomorrow, the pressure is on. And just thinking about what might be coming for some will be something of a trigger. Is that the way you would you would uh, talk about, you know, uh, identifying that you've got a little issue going here? I think the time of year can be a trigger, the temperature and so on, but also just going into the shops, seeing everything there and the music on. Those can all be triggers for people to to remind them of what's actually happening. And again, the more understanding we have of that, the better we can face that and then make this Christmas a bit of a different Christmas. Interesting when you talk about the sort of uh, things that you might see with decorations in the stores and even the idea, I imagine, of Christmas carols. Uh, could that be a trigger? I mean, because every Christmas carol you hear, you know, these days, uh, sometimes it's a Christian-oriented Christmas carol. Sometimes it's, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, Those sorts of things can trigger different things in different people. They can do. And so even in the midst of when we're meant to be uh, having happy singing carols time, that in those occasions, that in fact, there's that disconnect between hey what's going on for me and what's going on around me and that can be really challenging and now is the time to prepare for that within oneself so that in fact even in those sadder more challenging times there can be a different Christmas in one's heart to actually make it more of a meaningful and actually joyous Christmas. 
And I think important when we're talking about families, because oftentimes uh, whether we're coming to Christmas from a Christian perspective or from a secular perspective, uh, people still see this as a family celebration time. And when we talk about the sort of practical things that happen that might be triggers or that might make us have this sort of sadness at Christmas, uh, the idea of getting together with the family and some are doing well and I'm not. Uh, you know, uh, someone through the years just got a fabulous brand new car or they've just built a house. Or they're going on a wonderful global holiday and, uh, and here am I struggling to make ends meet. And this sense of inadequacy, I wonder whether that is part of what some people feel when they have to get together with the family. And, and it's almost like the family's looking down their nose at them or glaring at them one way saying, hey, why aren't you doing as well as I am? What are your thoughts about that sort of feeling? That is a very deep feeling, that feeling of inadequacy. Underneath that is a feeling that, hey, maybe I don't belong. I'm not even really a part of this family. And even deeper than that is I feel disconnected from this family and that sense of aloneness in a time which should be a time of connection. And isn't that so important if uh, you're listening to our conversation today and you just happen to be the one who is doing well, uh, who is flourishing, who is, you know, you've got perhaps the new car or you've just built the new house and you are going on that holiday, but there are others in your family not doing so well. You might be feeling like you're going to turn up there and uh, and uh, and show off your flourishing and uh, that'll you know, that'll put everybody else you know in their place or that'll make me feel good or look good i guess you've got to be guarded and i guess this idea of humility is going to be important here this is central neil and we need to talk a little bit more about this we call this really left-hand sided or self-centered living where i'm going to lift myself up but maybe in doing so even inadvertently or not really meaning it might let someone else down whereas actually a more christ-centered christmas is doing exactly what jesus did he didn't come down in his limo as it were he came down in the form of a baby and actually went right down to the others and this is a real opportunity for us as individuals for us as families and as churches to go to those who are struggling, which is so much of what Christmas is about. I'm reminded of that beatitude that uses the word meek and uh, meekness, uh, which sometimes we confuse for weakness, is so much uh, here, I think, uh, when you are doing well, when you do feel a strength of character, you feel like you're flourishing and uh, you've got a little bit of empowerment here, what it is to, as you say, be like Jesus who humbled himself, as we would read in Philippians chapter 2, humbled himself, made himself of, of, you know, nothing super special. But in that quietness of recognizing the strength of where you're at, being able to humbly be on the same level as everybody else who might be still looking to, you know, to get their next step up. If we can do this, Neil, to actually go down to those in our family, our friends, those at work or at school who might be struggling, or even as a church, just reach out 
more to others. And so, so many churches have got some kind of programs. I think then we actually embody Christmas. And that's where the real meaning of Christmas happens. Well, I want to invite listeners to join into our conversation today. Let's open our talkback lines. Perhaps you're facing Christmas this year and thinking, I'd like it to be a cheer-filled Christmas, but somehow or other I know that things that have happened in earlier years will come about again and I know there'll be some triggers that will either make me sad or there'll be those in my family who I want desperately to be happy, but I know that there are things that make them sad too. Well, our talkback line is open. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. You might have a question. Uh, You might have some thoughts about, you know, this is the way my family Christmas goes. I wonder whether Dr. John has got some sort of advice for me that I might be able to follow. You can also leave a note on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. And uh, leave a note there. There is a post there where you can take advantage of an opportunity to participate in our conversation. Well, John, let's uh, let's take a call. We've got Martin on the line from Condoblin in New South Wales. Hello, Martin. Welcome along. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> Great to hear from you, Martin. It's still yeah. morning here. I think it's still morning most uh, yeah, places. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, it's morning. I've looked at the clock. God bless everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts for our conversation today? Well, I say this to, to everyone that's listening. I say um, we, we, we're lucky we have a saviour that comes into the world at Christmas time to save everybody. And uh, I, I say um, if you can sit at the Christmas table and everyone's in your family still alive and with you sitting down to have lunch or dinner, whatever the case may be, I say that's the best pres- Christmas present you could ever ask for. Wonderful thoughts. Uh, let's get a response, a response from uh, from Dr. John. Thank you so much for your comment there. And I just love it because as we sit down at Christmas with others, if we can just have that sense of connection, that's exactly what Jesus did. What God did at Christmas is he uh, loved us. He connected with us so much that um, we could actually have that connection that we could virtually, as it were, sit down at table with him. And that's a brilliant, lovely comment of yours. Thank you so much. Martin, while I've got you, what sort of things will you do at Christmas time with your family this year? Oh, we'll just uh, enjoy the festivities. You know, uh, I'm a non-drinker and a smoker, so... um I'll try and reach out to someone that's a little bit more or less fortunate than me and try and pass the word on with a bit of hope, you know, and, um, uh, yeah, just just celebrate that uh, we're lucky to have a saviour to come into our life. My dad was a Tarook rat, and uh, he was on his deathbed, and I didn't know nothing about Jesus, and he looked at me and he said, I'm frightened of dying. If only I'd have known a more, bit more about Jesus, I could have helped said something to him before he went into eternity. So I say this to all our listeners out there today, please pick up the phone and and if you're having quarrels with your family, just tell them you love them because I never got a chance to say that to my dad and it, and it, I'm nearly 60 now and, it, and it's eaten me up because I didn't know, but I know that he's all with his war buddies now in heaven and God's a kind and loving God. Amen. Oh, good on you, Martin. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events.
I think it's safe to say if you pick up a pointer or two from the conversation we're having this hour, you will have a happy Christmas. If you miss some of the things we're talking about, you might be in the sense uh, going along with some of the things that trigger sadness. Well, Dr. John Warlow is our guest, adult child and family psychiatrist, and we're talking through cheerfulness and sadness at Christmas time. We'll take some more calls in just a few moments. But, John, we were talking about, you know, these jealousies that come. Uh, I'm doing well and you're not, or, or how those things are triggers for some to really have, uh, you know, a sense of sadness at Christmas. There's the other issue too, uh, people who perhaps are ill, uh, perhaps you've had a diagnosis, it's not a positive one, and others in the family are healthy and doing all sorts of, you know, fabulous things that you can remember you used to do. This is another one of those triggers, isn't it? It certainly is, Neil, and actually I've just heard this morning that one of my close relatives has got cancer. They just found out today that they've got cancer. And what I've been wondering about uh, with, with that relative is here they are coming up to Christmas with that. And the real danger of uh, personalizing this in terms of why me, what's going on for me, what have I done wrong, uh, the unfairness of that. And also, and I think this is one of the evil's one's biggest tricks, is actually why did God allow that to happen? And from my point of view as a doctor, God did not bring in sickness and illness. God can use that and can use that this Christmas. However, just as I said to my relative who said, actually, I'm really frustrated and annoyed that this has happened, and, and absolutely so, and I said to him, so should you be? It is not right. It is not good that you have had this. God did not develop this. And I guess those who have had sicknesses to press into God at this stage and to lean on him in the challenges of what that might mean for you. I guess too, and to take this to another level again, there are those who are growing older. And uh, if we're talking about sickness, uh, you know, sometimes uh, health issues accompany growing older. But I know in my own family, this sort of transition from uh, the matriarchs in the family who have always been the backbone of a wonderful Christmas celebration, who now it's just a little past them and there's a transition happening. So there's all sorts of things. If you are the one who can't have Christmas at your home anymore, uh, you're going to feel a sense of loss, aren't you? I think so. And for us, for Jill, my wife and myself, we are now at that stage where our children have got their families and have married others, uh, obviously. (laughs) And they are going to the in-laws or the outlaws for Christmas. And so suddenly for us, hey, hang on, we have Christmas every year at our place. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, transition times. And actually, you raise a good point that uh, might be a trigger for some listeners too, in-laws or outlaws. And sometimes when you're getting together with other side of the family, uh, you've got this sort of outlaw idea as well. Uh, There might be some calls, who knows, about that sort of thing. Let's take another call. Uh, A listener calling in from Newcastle. Hello, welcome along. Hello. Hello there. What are your What are oh. your thoughts? Oh, um, it's interesting. I'm really glad that you're actually speaking about it. Um, 
because I know in my own family Christmas is so layered and um, this year we have another layer in, um, as you're saying, you know, you have what you do with your family and then there's in-laws and outlaws. and my sister-in-law has um, got AML, she's dying and she's requested that we have lunch with her and recreate the family Christmas that we used to have. So we've all had to put our own plans on hold as well and other members of the family of, you know, what well, what we're not going to see you Christmas Day so that we can accommodate and love, um, you know, uh, my sister-in-law at this particular time. It's it's a hard time anyway for me personally in my in my own family because my husband died 11 years ago, and he was all about Christmas. So um, you know, it's it's really I'm I'm grateful to be listening um, for the topic to be raised <clears throat> because I feel sometimes that I'm letting uh, the family down because I feel so sad um, at times. I don't look forward to Christmas because my husband was this. Like a kid in a candy shop, you know, it was just such a delightful time of year for him. Well, wonderful for you to call in, and I'm just humbled to hear your thoughts, and just as you're sharing about those things in your family, uh, Dr. John Warlow, what are your thoughts for our caller? Thank you so much for those comments. I think that you are putting uh, into words and into voice what so many people will be thinking and I so respect what you are doing is exactly what Jesus would do. Um, he would go down, he would go to, he would go and seek out the one who is struggling, which is what you're doing in the context of being possibly misunderstood by family, in the context of what you know Christmas is all about and the losses you are experiencing. It's not easy for you to go down and to do this and uh, thank you so much for your courage not only to get on the phone but also to say this and not an easy christmas but uh, keep centered on jesus and um and I, I i think in what you're doing you're expressing the meaning of christmas as well thank you thank you i think a lot of people do misunderstand and they, um, I guess because it's been so long since my husband died as well, I mean, he used to take the Christmas services and he was, you know, like it was just, he was so central and all of that. And I guess um, people look at me and well, I'm, I imagine I'm not, I'm not sure what they think, but oh, isn't she over it yet? But, yeah. you know, like I'm okay and self-aware enough of myself. It's that finding that place of understanding or even the place to verbalize, this hurts. Every year it hurts. Mm. And you, you've voiced that so well, and God be with you. So glad that you can say that here on the radio and just encourage you, which is what you'd be doing anyway, is to connect with someone, even one other, who can actually be with you and understand you at this challenging time. Thank you. Thank you so much to that caller from Newcastle. Our talkback line remains open. 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation. You can leave a note on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. John, let me just reflect on a uh, Facebook comment from Stephanie who says, I've struggled to celebrate the last three years. I lost my mother and then some months later my marriage. Our baby died 18 years ago, so Christmas was always a struggle without children. I try not to put too much emphasis on the day. Having Christ in my life every day and worshipping him every day is what's important to me. 
If you are blessed to have family and friends, then the day is one of joy and celebration. What are your thoughts for Stephanie? Stephanie, thank you for your comments. And what you're expressing here is loss in terms of your mother, your marriage. And I I really like the way you cope at this time, one way of your coping, which is to say, hey, look, this is one day of 365 and I think that's that's a, a great strategy to use okay thank you so much and uh, leave your comments or your question on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio just a couple of minutes out from news John if we're talking about how you make this Christmas not so sad now it might be impossible to erase memories and i imagine that erasing the memory is not something that when you talk to people you say uh, this is the way to do it but you've got to be able to somehow or other lessen the pain of the memory is there any sort of hint or idea here that you might be able to bring for people who are thinking you know it's a sad time for me at christmas how do i deal with it thank you neil and i think rather than getting the rubber out and erasing it because it's often really hard to do that is to, to face it to face what's going on but to not try not to do that alone and just like with the previous caller is to see is there anyone even one person who can connect with me and understand what's going on for me um, at this time and by doing that by facing that you'll be facing it in a different way this Christmas. Uh, just reflecting too on what Stephanie was saying, uh, that she has Christ in her life every day and worshipping him every day is what's important to me. Now, some people will, you know, people who think that uh, your Christian faith is some sort of a crutch that sort of props you up. Well, in fact, it does prop us up every day and especially in times when there could be triggers like this. I think um, there are so many crutches we use, and Christ is the uh, the major crutch in my life. He's the major one who helps me to stand up, and I love that. Every day, Christ is central. Let's take a call, first of all, from Coral in Cooma in New South Wales. Hello, Coral. Welcome along. Good morning, Jeff. Coral, what are your thoughts for our conversation today? Look, I'm, I'm very glad that you're having it. Um, I, I think we possibly need more than one conversation to get everything right. There's lots to say. Yes, but I, t- I just want to um, say something. I, I've worked in different places where people were dying or very sick or that type of thing at Christmas time. And um, this is some years ago. Um, I I heard that um, some some men who were what you might call without friend, um, someone said that they always put them on the prayer list of these particular nuns who they they prayed and that sort of thing. They were called the Carmelites nuns. And he was a person who had a ministry in a a city thing and he knew all about, you know... um, Men who didn't belong anywhere and things like that, yeah. and um, and so that's what he did, and so that's what I've done lots of times um, with patients or sometimes with myself, and in in the guts of that, I ended up finding these things called these people called the Tyburn nuns, 
And when I got the first newsletter from the Tyburn nuns, who who I'll never be a Tyburn nun, but they go into, they do a lot of deep praying, but they're often grandmothers or army medics or something like that before they become nuns. And when I got their first newsletter, it was like the most welcome, happy uh, remembrance of the happiest Christmas that I'd ever had. And they only, they only talked ordinary. It wasn't preachy at all. But it, it was, there was something homely and welcoming and anyone could have felt welcome if I'd felt welcome. Coral, I think you and, are and that, describing that, what we've been discussing as what it is to look Christ-like when it comes to Christmas. Uh, let's get a thought uh, response from Dr. John Warlow. Coral, thank you so much. And what I love about what you're saying, and it's it actually is even deeper than happiness, is, is that emphasis on prayer of the None showing you that welcome, not preaching, just welcome and uh, being there for you, for others, particularly, as you say in your work, those who might even be dying or sick. That is really fantastic to hear. Coral, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. 1-800-316-316. Leave a note too on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. You know, as Coral raises uh, this idea of people who are uh, sick at Christmas time, perhaps they're hospitalised, perhaps there are people in aged care, uh, perhaps there are people, as we've been hearing, who are homeless. Uh, there are people, and you can sort of tell the heart of what happens within the Christian church when there is something practical that happens from the heart of Christian believers that actually reaches out to those who are, we consider them less fortunate, uh, not less special, not less valuable, but you know, somehow or other, they're not on the right track or something's happened this year. Wonderful to be able to see the way the Christian heart reaches out. I think so, Neil. And even while we are talking here and I'm hearing this, I'm actually being a bit challenged myself, rightly so, to be able to reach out more to those who are having a, a difficult time. And I think that's so much is the heart of Christmas, deeper than just the emotion of happiness, is actually giving that love and that connection, which Coral was talking about, to people who are struggling. Sometimes we talk about a Christ-centered Christmas and our immediate thoughts go, oh, I better go to church on Sunday. All right. But this is much deeper than that, isn't it? I think where our conversation is going here, Neil, is to be like Jesus and, and his birth was though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped in a self-centered way, but actually emptied himself and took the form of a servant, actually a baby, and went in, in into such controversial situation here. He is born to probably a teenage girl and so on, and just really difficult times. And that that's what God did. He came right down to where we were, and not only to those who are going well, which were like the three wise men or whoever they were, but also to those who are the struggling, those on night shift, 
like the shepherds and probably didn't have as much money um, as the three men on the camel uh, on the camels to to give that and so for us to be christ centered is really brings up the question how can we this christmas be like jesus i think we're discussing how to have a happy christmas and when we talk cheerfulness and sadness there is a sense in which cheerfulness uh, really, uh, some people are, are aligning that idea with the party atmosphere, uh, but there is a sense that this other word that we often use in Christian lingo, the joy of the Lord, is our strength. So a guaranteed happy Christmas is to appreciate what it truly is to have the joy of the Lord. And it's not all about the party. It's about how you treat others who are... Uh, who are perhaps not doing so well as you, but in a Christ-like way. I think so. And also what you're saying here is often a helpful way I understand this. Happiness nearly comes from the outside, what's going on in the outside. But much deeper than that, much uh, is is the joy. And that comes, like some of our callers have said, when they're actually going to people being Christ-like and just wa- walking the steps Jesus would walk, walking steps of love and connection, of actually being with others. That's what Jesus was all about, Emmanuel. And that brings joy, even if on the outside there might not be much happiness. Uh, we've heard from some listeners, and they've, uh, they've reflected on different sorts of sadness that comes at Christmas time. Uh, there's some things that can compound that sadness. Uh, if Christmas comes at a time when it, it crosses over with the anniversary of the loss of someone who we loved, and we heard from one uh, listener from Newcastle who was saying that they just remember that their husband used to lead the Christmas service, and, and I imagine that for that lady, no one will ever lead a Christmas service the way that her husband did. So Christmas comes around, and it, uh, if it, if it even, uh, crosses over with even the loss of a loved one, and I'm mindful of the road toll that comes at Christmas time. Uh, people will know that I lost a loved one, perhaps in a car accident or some tragedy or some illness. These things compound the Christmas sadness. They make it worse because at Christmas we're meant to be happy. How can I have this sadness? And there can be an incredible aloneness at this time. And the one danger which I've already mentioned is that we even blame God for the tragedy, which God never came here to design tragedy, etc. And there will be a time when there will be Christmas, if you want, with no tragedy, no tears, no death, no sorrow. And that's at the end. But in the meantime, we live in a world where there is evil, evil things happen. And how do we actually know that connection with Jesus at Christmas so that there can be that underlying joy much more than actually having a happyometer and saying, how happy am I, is actually having a joyometer, as it were, of how much in connection am I with Christ? Uh, because, yeah, our moods can actually tell us what's going on underneath our, our moods and feelings and can actually for me they help me to say mm, maybe I'm not really accessing the presence of Jesus who's with me and in me as much as I should and could be while at the same time being very real about my feelings as the callers have said about theirs. 
John, let me ask you about the value of our Christian faith when it comes to Christmas time. Because as we're talking about these things and we're talking about Christians and the way they're grappling with their own sadness, for people who don't know Christ, separated from church, off on some other tangent that their life has led them in that direction, there is a sense in which they are facing all of these issues of sadness, all of these triggers, all of these even depression that comes from, oh, not another Christmas season. As a Christian, we've got this strength that we can bring to our family environment and potentially there to rub off on others. This is a time of Christian witness, of appreciation, what the incarnation truly means. What are your thoughts for the strength that each one listening today can bring into their family this Christmas? One of the key thoughts here, Neil, is trying not to be reactive to the situation, the family situation, the distress, even if there has been really bad things which have happened, but to be not reactive, but proactive from the God who is with us and in us, and to respond to him at this time of Christmas, making that Christmas a real present, current day experience in our lives so that then we can go out and actually love and connect where there might be times and places and people of disconnection. So here we are on the last day of November. Tomorrow's the first day of December. We'll be on the downhill run towards Christmas. This is a matter of getting into our own hearts and spirits the strength and power of what it is to know of the incarnation, God with us, his humility, and emulating that humility so that when it comes to the challenges that we face, we're not facing them alone. We're bringing into the context of our family the presence and power of Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful thought to have. Let's take another caller, another caller, this one from South Australia. Hello, welcome along. Good morning, both of you. Just a little um, something I thought might encourage other people that are loners at Christmas. And, uh, you know, you think, oh, you know, we, we used to have such marvellous Christmases. I'm a, one of a family of seven, and, and we used to have really good Christmases. But uh, now I'm, I'm on my own for the last two years, the third one coming up. But do you know what I do? Um, I make some sort of a, 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 a edible dinner, <laughs> and... I always set another place because that word that I remember hanging up, a little plaque hanging up on my parents' wall when I was a little kid, said, Christ is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. And I think he's here, so I set an extra place and I just play some nice music, you know, Christian music, or listen to something that's uh, a little faith-building and and encouraging. And, um, yeah, you can... You can manage. Jesus does strengthen us and bless us, and he's here. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. We know that. So it's a blessing, whether we're with a crowd of people or on our own. He's still there. That is what a a wonderful thought, and uh, it reminds me of an old Jewish tradition where people would set 
an extra place at the table for John the Baptist or for Elijah. Uh, you know, with uh, there is a certain Jewish tradition there. Uh, but uh, for this uh, listener, and uh, just I'm just humbled to hear from you, the idea of even setting a place at the table because you are so confident and conscious of the presence of Jesus in the circumstances you're going through. It's going to be a really strong way, a strength uh, to be able to get through those tough times, John. That is just such a wonderful thing this caller has uh, said, and in so many ways that in the context of aloneness, here she is coming up to her third Christmas alone. She says this, he is here. He is here. I love it. Is that connection with Jesus? And then she goes on to say, you can, you can. And and having those words coming from this lady who's living this, she's not talking about it. She's actually, this is her life. She says, he is here. He connects with me. He empowers me. Um, I, so I can. And then she makes that a physical, uh, she actually, um, makes it a material um change change makes a material change in her dining room to embody that and i think thank you so much that was just a wonderful comment i am absolutely encouraged thank you so much to that caller from south australia 1-800-316-316 we may have time for another call or two when we talk about christmas we're talking about god humbling himself in the form of Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin, into difficult circumstances, as you referred to a little earlier there. But what we were seeing at the Incarnation, John, was a fresh impression of what the perfect image of God looked like. I mean, we saw that in the creation of Adam and Eve, and then we saw the distortion of that image, and then through uh, the development of humanity to this point. And all of a sudden, God says, I'm going to reveal myself in my full image in my son, Jesus Christ. So when we talk about wholeness, and I know you love to talk about wholeness, the cure for life, how important is it for us to really appreciate the person of Jesus at Christmas time? I think wholeness is impossible unless we have that appreciation for Jesus and an awareness that he is so different from us that he has he goes down to those challenging places and that he can come down to us in whatever situation we are in in this christmas so there can be a there might not be a lot more happiness in fact there may be some sadness but so that people can actually experience more joy this year in a holistic way just like that previous uh the caller was saying that in that in her centra center she has the presence of Jesus he is here in then in her heart she says i'm not basically i'm not alone i can and then in her actions she sets a place on the table for, for uh, the awareness of Jesus that is there that's a picture of christmas wholeness on her own for me Good on you, lady. Well, and this is the recipe, isn't it, for the Christmas cheer? I mean, you know how you define what cheer means, but uh, the joy of the Lord that is our strength, 
that will come from his presence in our Christmas is such a such a powerful thing. Uh, the idea, let me just ask you a quick question or two because we're running out of time. Uh, going along to church on Christmas Day, not everybody gets the chance to do that. Uh, it is a good family tradition to have. What are your thoughts, John? Uh, just a quick one. It can be very stressful going to church on Christmas Day. If you can uh, get there, that's great, but also can be a very alone time. The bottom line is try not to do Christmas Day alone if possible even a phone call with, with someone if you have got someone else who you are connected with just going to church with that person if you're able to but it may, I agree it may be really hard as you see lots of happy uh, people and your heart is actually not in the same place just know that Jesus as this last caller said is with you and you can I guess the family gathering and you're around the table and however that looks for some and oftentimes you might be the only Christian and everybody else seems to be, you know, uh, completely counter Christianity. What is a way you can bring into your family environment Uh, perhaps in a gentle way. Uh, The thought that I have coming to mind is the idea that perhaps you've never done this before at Christmas lunch, but offer to say grace. Uh, There's some very gentle things that where you can bring Christ into Christmas. Uh, What are your thoughts, John, about ways that you might be able to let your light shine around the Christmas dinner table? I think that's certainly a good idea, uh, the verbal way. I think for me the most powerful way is what I call walking the steps, is to actually really connect with those around, really embody Jesus, and try and understand uh, what's happening for the others. Don't fix them uh, on Christmas Day. Just be with them, because uh, that's what Jesus was doing with us. So you're talking about the idea of uh, you know that there are going to be people who are sad around the table, and what you might do is draw alongside. I wonder if you could be making a plan in advance, uh, checking the pulse before Christmas rolls around and just perhaps gleaning where people are at so that you can actually be the biggest benefit on Christmas Day. What are your thoughts for that? That technique, that strategy which Jesus said, watch and pray, uh, looking ahead is actually psychologically one of the best strategies we can do. And just uh, imagining what's going to have happen on that Christmas Day and praying into it, bringing it to God, being prepared for the day well christmas time is a time for creating what we'd call a family culture too and uh, perhaps you've come from a situation in your background where the culture hasn't been fabulous and you want to change things never too late i imagine john to come up with new traditions new ideas new family culture that will hold you in good stead in for the generations to come this is such a good talk, Neil, because it's also, as I say, challenging me to look ahead to Christmas and say, hey, what can we do to make our Christmas more Christ-like um, uh, as we come to 2018 Christmas and uh, to actually be a part of that that uh, change of culture. So it's a culture which is more connecting. It's a culture which is more understanding, walking those steps with others, which is what Jesus did with us. 
Well, John, I want to take this opportunity on the last day of November to uh, wish you and your family the happiest and holiness, holiest of Christmases because uh, I know you're going to have a fabulous time. Look, this has been a challenging conversation for me too as I think about my family and the transitions that we're going to as, uh, as our children have all grown up. And uh, so there's new traditions and new culture that needs to be created and as we look forward to even the coming generations beyond us. I wanted to just point to your books. Uh, the book that you've written and uh, part one, part two are out, The Cure for Life. And in there you've come up with a uh, a great little, very simple way of making us aware of our self-centeredness and our Christ-centeredness. Uh, give us a, a little, just 30 seconds on, on just how valuable that is. Just as you did that, Neil, your left hand went up saying our self-centeredness on the one hand, on the other hand, Christ-centeredness. And if you're listening now, just waggle your hands, left-centered, uh, left-sided is self, self-centeredness, as it were, right-hand-sided is Christ-centeredness. And to actually seek to really ask God, where am I? How can I live a more Christ-centered Christmas? And a recipe, as we were saying, for having a happy Christmas this year. Uh, you can get a hold of Dr. John Warlow's books when you go online at uh, Amazon or go to drjohnwarlow.com. You can get a hold of his books at Kurong. Remember the name, The Cure for Life, the first one, part one, The God-Centered Transformation. Part two is about God-centered relationships. Dr. John Warlow, I look forward to another opportunity to talk to you again before too long. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.